0: Mm-hmm. Like If you're struggling right now behind the chair to grow a business, be grateful for that because you're
1: figuring shit out. Welcome to another episode of The therapist And I am on today with Chris Solomay, who has been in the industry for how long now?
0: Thir- this is my 30th year.
1: So you started when you were 12.
0: <laughs> I started when I was 13, but I mean, th- physically licensed, um yeah this is this is my
1: 30th year. That's so awesome. And it's such a I mean 30 years and you're still in it and doing it and you have you have basically reinvented yourself and multiple uh, times in your career.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean just to qualify, you know, I was the assistant that cleaned um shampoo bowls. Uh you know, and swept floors. I was the hairstylist that wasn't busy. Then I was the hairstylist that was an extreme high performer. Then I was the one that trained people got into education, spoke globally, literally on every continent, um, except Antarctica. Um, and then I uh, got into education full time and ran education teams. And now I'm really speaking on behalf of the human being behind the chair, who is, you know, or I believe that business, the salon business, but business in general, gives you a playground to learn to grow up. And.
1: Oh boy right? does it.
0: <laughs> right? And by growing up, I mean you you learn number one as a hairstylist behind the chair or salon owner, we have the opportunity to meet a more diverse crowd than almost everybody and really have personal conversations. So if you think about it, you have a client in your chair right now who owns half of your town, right? Like, you know, you have that super rich wealth, they've done it all, they've developed it all, they, they are the person. Um, I had a client in my chair who was that person for me. His name was Steve. And when he sold his business, he sold it for $287 million. Oh my, that's a lot of money. (laughs) And I got to learn from that man through our conversations. And because of the relationships that hairdressers and salon owners get to develop, they willingly give you that information, right? You can't buy this shit in college, No, right? You can't. And so on the other end of it, um, It gives you the opportunity. We were talking about pay raises or, or, or raising prices before we got on. And it gives you the opportunity to walk through the discomfort of learning how to have a crucial and important conversation with a client about a price increase when you don't feel worth it inside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to me, like business being behind the chair is a playground to develop lifelong relationships, be a staple in your community as well as grow up as a person if that's what you're looking for. And some people miss that opportunity, being behind the chair. Some people get to a place where they're comfortable and it's just too much for them to grow and they stay stagnant. And you see this all the time.
1: Oh, I see it
0: Yeah, all the time.
1: Where I'm just like, can I help you please?
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) and then in the very chair next to them there's somebody else that decided to take a different journey Mm -hmm. and the only difference there is one of them sees the opportunity in a different way and then they seize the opportunity in a different way and so like that's the opportunity that we have and i and i you know the where what i find myself doing now a lot is trying to relate to people that just because you're behind a chair, you're not any different than somebody else who's passionate about the thing they do, whether they're a chef or a used car salesman, right? If they're, if they're truly passionate and sees the good in what they do, then we're not that different. And that you can grow up not only professionally, but personally, and you can practice those skills in your salon every day.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that about on point and in perspective of where you are in your career. It's we had, and this is just an example, a shoe salesman that I worked with at Nordstrom growing up as a kid. He was the best at sales of anybody I ever met. He went to conferences. He went to, um, oh gosh, what was it? Toastmasters. So he could learn how to speak to people. And he was super successful. The number one salesperson in that company for years and then retired, but it's like, a shoe salesman, you know, and or a hairstylist, like, Mm -hmm. well, don't you just cut hair? And it's like, no, there is so much more beyond that. So you saying that, and this speaks to not just hairstylists as we were talking about, this speaks to everybody and wherever you are and where your passion lies.
0: Yeah. A thousand percent. And the thing is, is like one of the first challenges is seeing that opportunity for what it is like for a real opportunity to to offer a person a very valued service and I'm not talking about is your balayage or you know whatever as good as the person's next to you I'm talking about did you develop that relationship at a deeper level while valuing yourself and then did you decide to take on the challenge of developing yourself professionally and meaning that by 25 years old, I'm a different hairstylist and person than I was when I was 21. And when I'm 30, I'm different than 25 and so on. And what that means is growing and becoming something new almost on a daily. It means what I did yesterday doesn't get me to where I'm going. It got me to where I'm at. And sometimes it means being strangely uncomfortable in a career evolution if you're open to that, you've got a hell of a journey ahead of you.
1: It is. It's one of my mentors in here actually said, if you're not willing to change, or if you're not willing to be like the crab that gets into a bigger shell, then you're in the wrong industry. And it hurts. <laughs> He's like, it hurts to grow, but it's good to grow.
0: To add to that. Sorry. But no, like, no, that's, please do. <laughs> that's super important. You're on the wrong freaking planet you're on the wrong planet. If you're not ready to get into another shell. And I mean, if you're old like me now, well, you're
1: only 30, what are <laughs> no 40. We decided <laughs> since you started when you were,
0: you know. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm 49. I'll be 50 next year when you're 50. And I promise you, you will be right. Hopefully you we'll will get be. there when you're 50. You'll look back. You'll go. Number one, I'm, I'm a lot younger than I thought 50 would be, but number two, you'll have chapters. That you'll be able to see. So right now, one of my most fun things to do is talk with millennials about (laughs) zillennials, right? Because I'm a Gen Xer and it was like, there was a period of time there where as a Gen Xer, I was out of style. You did not want to be me. You know, I was like the over the we were irrelevant. We didn't, you know, and I felt it. I felt irrelevant. And now I have these, you know, leaders that are millennials, grandma millennials, grandpa millennials that are, you know, in their mid thirties and they're running up against the same feelings that I felt when I was 32 behind the chair and had a banging clientele, which was, wow, even though I'm making a shit ton of money behind my chair. I feel irrelevant compared to my 22 year old new hires because I'm just not as cool anymore. Right. I'm like, you're not tick- you
1: weren't TikTok and Instagramming. And well, that,
0: you know, that didn't exist when I no, was 32, I right? Know. You know,
1: and but they still had their things, you know, that they yeah. did where you're like, oh, I need to learn more from you. And what can I teach you? And what can you teach me?
0: Well, and that's what I talk about with chapters. It's like if you're, if you're a Gen Z right now, you know, and you're looking at, you know, out in the future and you're going, I'm never going to get there. You will. And when you do, you'll be able to look back and share your wisdom on the people that are coming in. And, And the wisdom that I'm sharing like right now, more than ever, number one is it really is a journey. It's a freaking marathon. It's a, it's a ultra marathon. You will have peaks and you will have valleys. And when you're at your peak, I'm not saying like, be looking for the valley. But I'm saying like, enjoy it. Make sure you prepare for the next valley because you'll have one. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you do have a valley, it's totally okay. Like if you're in a valley right now, it's actually a really cool place to be. Because there's nowhere to
1: go but up. There's nowhere to go but
0: up. And you have a great learning experience. Mm -hmm. Like if you're struggling right now behind the chair to grow a business, be grateful for that because you're figuring shit out. Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins says, he says like, um, when people are successful, they party. And when people are are fail, they ponder. True. Make sure you're a <laughs> ponderer. So you're not looking at it and, and hiding and caving because it's scary. And mm-hmm. you do you question yourself value I've I mean, I've been like I can talk about being depressed while in a plateau or a valley to the point where you're questioning yourself and you're going to, am I even worth it as a person? Because I'm not as successful as I used to be, right? I see you want to say something.
1: Well, no, I was just thinking about a, a, a stylist that I know who went through some serious health crises and was a super successful stylist has kind of had to come and go from the industry. And she's yeah. in a moment right now where she's, she feels a little helpless, even though she knows our industry is resilient and she'll come back with a clientele, but she's in the valley right now. Right. And, and this is a good episode for a lot of people. Cause I think there are more people than we think that are in a valley because either they're struggling with their clientele or yep. they're struggling with dealing with their clientele and, and holding boundaries and holding those tough conversations. And yeah. you wanted to talk about leadership.
0: Yeah, this leads right into it because what, you know, I want to respond to what you just said because it's it's maybe the most important thing that's been said so far. It's like there are more people there than than we would know or believe. And, you know, I, I don't know what, what it is about getting older, but people are more willing to tell the truth to you. So I'm having a lot of people tell me the truth lately. And the truth that I'm hearing is I'm at a point in my life. And in all honesty, I don't know which way is up. And I don't even know what, to do about that. I don't know what my next move is and whether I'm behind the chair and feeling stuck or I'm a salon owner and I'm looking at the noise in the industry And the noise says that whatever style of salon that I chose to run, everybody else is doing the opposite. Right. And it's like and everybody will tell you that you can't have seven billion opposites. It's not how it works. Don't listen. (laughs) Don't listen to the noise. There are more people that are feeling this way. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was covid. I don't know if it was the show. Like, I don't know if it was any of that. What but what I know is it's very real. And I'm having those conversations with people outside of the industry, too.
1: Well, we've had a huge shift just in general. I think a shift in social consciousness, a shift in culture. I don't know, especially in the United States. I'm sure globally, the too. world, it is so crazy to me, whether the pandemic happened or not, I guess you could erase it. And we would probably see in this be in the same position yeah. that we are the
0: today. The Thing is, is like, I always tell people like, I don't know, I'm not an expert on it, but, but what I am like developing expertise in is going, this shit is real. Mm -hmm. People are questioning themselves, whether they're 12, 21 or, you know, my age, they're questioning their purpose, which I think is a great opportunity because you can get more purposeful when you question your purpose. Right. You can decide, like really re decide, like, what is my purpose? Why am I doing this for? And you'll either re up and go like this was the right decision for me or you'll look around for a change. And, you know, the hair industry is a beautiful place to evolve. Because it you is. can do all kinds of things, right? You can have a podcast. You can run education teams as I've done. You can be a senior vice president of a you know product company. You can, from starting out as a hairstylist, there's a million ways you can go, but you gotta get be able to get truthful about where you're at, number one. And then if you have that little fire inside that's telling you something's not right, have that conversation. You know, with yourself, with a mentor, with somebody, mm-hmm. because it's the most you know one of the most important decisions you can ever make is to grow or not to grow. I can just tell you, like from experience, when I've chosen to not grow you're you're dying inside, you know, I'm not talking about literal death, but you but you could it's you true, could. yeah, it's
1: so true I, and you know, I was just actually saying to somebody in my parking lot this morning, we um all live in a very small community of hippies, basically. You
0: know? <laughs> but, um, oh, I want to come well, over there right
1: on the water. You're always welcome. Open, open door policy, we say. But I just said, I feel like I'm always moving and shaking and trying new things, opening new salons, doing this, doing that. And, and I felt guilty. I was like, I feel guilty about that. Like I never can settle. Now that you're saying that I don't feel guilty about trying to share my secrets, spread the love and really try to keep out there and keep a positive frame of mind because it honestly, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I would probably be sitting and watching a lot of house of dragons. That's about it. Yeah, (laughs) That just doesn't get you anywhere.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, look, there's, there's people that are successful and there's people that are successful. Right. And I'm, and I want to talk about them for a minute.
1: Style sharp shears is the best shear sharpening service. I love it because Trey comes in here and he sharpens my shears here. He doesn't take them with him. He will do mobile orders as well, so you can ship out to him. But for those of you who are local or ones he can travel to, he is great because he comes in and he does your shears in salon, totally blends in with your environment, makes you super happy, and then he's off and he makes your next appointment. For those who need to ship in, he is super fast and efficient, and soon he will have his own shears. That is Trey with Style Sharp Shear Sharpening Services.
0: I'm talking about the really successful people. The really, the really successful people, you know, the ones that you you almost won't see because they're they're they've got their fingers in multiple businesses, they're not the front person anymore. And all of them will tell you about a time when they were unsure, where they felt un, unworthy, or when they had a major crash where they were like, Oh my God, I don't know if this is gonna work. All of them will tell you that. And mm-hmm. the number one thing that they'll say that got them through it is like. I decided not to sit down. That's it.
1: That is how I get through life. Not sitting. Yeah, yeah that's it. This is the only time I think I do sit yeah. when I'm actually recording a podcast.
0: Well, it's beautiful. So you, we, we, we were going to talk about leadership and personal responsibility and I know you like to keep these short. So,
1: but you know, at the end of my podcast, cause this, this is not the last time you're going to be on here. So trust me, <laughs> but at the end of my podcast, I always, do uh, your craziest story and like a little known fact about you because it helps people get to know you and you have to tell us what you're doing with your, your consulting company and give everybody your Instagram handle so they can follow you. And so those are the four things you have to do now.
0: Okay. So I do those right (laughs) now. Yeah. All right. Well, while I'm doing that in closing, I just want to give people the four levels. So phase one is that personal responsibility piece. Call that self-leadership If you're wanting to grow, you need to learn to demand out of yourself things that are hard for you to do. Self-leadership. That's phase one. Phase two is yourself and another person. That's when you start to grow in your influence and maybe people in your environment look at you. They see you're doing things good and they come over and they say, hey, how did you mix that color? Uh, How did you do that technique? Blah, blah, blah. And you start to share it. Now you can either choose to share it or not to share it. And that's what develops leader versus not leader, right? Some people decide not to share it and they're just awesome. They're rock stars. They're great. And they can you can do that too. But some people have a calling towards leadership, which is I want to impact other people. So you self plus one. Self, once you start to share with somebody, usually if you're a leader, you catch the fire. You start to share in smaller groups. You're an educator. You know, you've seen this happen mm-hmm. in your own life. Oh my God, I'm it's teaching be- my it's first- It's
1: beautiful. It's a beautiful right? thing. Yeah. Right?
0: And then what happens when you fully develop that skill, you outgrow small groups and you can you can manage larger groups. You know, I can speak to all of those. And then the epitome, the pinnacle of leadership is when people have just learned and heard your ideas. And because of those ideas- they start to self-manage based on what they learned from you. And that's, that's when you the breadth of your leadership is beyond you. And that's what's called legacy. And so those are the levels. So if you're just curious about like, how do I, I go on that. the journey? That's the yeah. journey.
1: That's important because some people are wondering probably while wow, we're talking about this, how do I do that? That's how you do it right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's on how your you
1: in your Instagram, you have a lot of good
0: little snippets and clips. I'm starting, so I've changed it. So my Instagram is at Chris Salome, C-H-R-I-S-S-U-L-I-M-A-Y. And I went quiet for a long time, um, not out of fear, but I just didn't know what I really wanted to talk about for a while. And I think it's important to make that decision. If if you want to grow. People are talking about it. What's your brand? What's your this? What's your that? So I made a decision to go quiet. I actually pulled um, all social media platforms off of my phone Mm -hmm. for almost a year. You can kind of see when my last post was. And Mm -hmm. I didn't look. I didn't want to hear one word anybody else was saying. I wanted to... Go through the cocoon, the transformation to decide what I wanted to do. And so now you're seeing me mainly in the woods. It's where I'm the most reflective. I mean, if you look behind me here, like I'm on 25 acres right oh, now. Oh, that's I'm awesome. A, yeah. Um, camping. I've been staying in a tent all over the country. It's been super fun. I have awesome. a place to live. I have a place to live. I'm not in a van <laughs> down by the river. If you once you decide. You're you're going to see if you find my social that it's like this guy doesn't look like a hairdresser anymore um, because I'm a person and I, you know, I, I want to help people.
1: That's funny because I didn't recognize you and I know I'd met you at that Kuhn show and I was like, oh, I remember you now because your voice sounded so familiar and you looked familiar. But I was like, but no, I,
0: I don't mm-hmm. know. And you're right, because I was still trying to fit in back then when I, you know, I mean, I did not fit in in corporate like I did a good job and they were promoting me but I didn't fit in as a corporate person. Once I realized that, then I realized, you know, what what do I really want to talk to people about? And it was this.
1: I think the only way some people can grow is by being an independent. Some people need the boundaries of corporate Mm -hmm. and they can grow that way Mm -hmm. beautifully, but I'm the same as you. In a corporate scenario, I kind of get stagnant, but in an independent Mm -hmm. scenario, I force myself to grow and branch out and yeah, meet yeah, new people and learn new things.
0: A million percent and here's one thing I want to say about that. I am super supportive of teams and people who like to be on teams. Absolutely. Some people thrive in that scenario. I'm just not one of those people. I'm I'm an I'm an entrepreneur and so that's
1: well, and I manage, you know, my stylist teams in a it's more of just like a hey, how is everything on track? Cause they're independent as well. And I think I'm best also managing people who have an independent mindset as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so yep. God, that was really good information, Chris. And I really appreciate you taking your time, but you do have to tell us a crazy story.
0: Okay. So <laughs> totally off topic, but I was in Malaysia and I was speaking on behalf of a product company mm-hmm. and I was speaking for multiple, multiple distributors. And it's the type of place that, um, they have to translate you, you know, so they have, they are either wearing translators or when you're speaking, you have somebody next to you. So you say a sentence and then they translate, say a mm-hmm. sentence. Well, that's not the story. The story is I was in a hotel waiting for my well not waiting for my ride i went down to the gym in the morning because my i was jet lagged and so i was waking up at like three o'clock in the morning oh dang and you know like for a 10 o'clock speaking gig you know like like, oh it's terrible (laughs) so i finally like by six o'clock i'm jumping out of my skin i go down to the gym by the pool malaysia is it's a muslim community and i share that to say great it's a muslim community and you know i was there i see a couple of gentlemen kind of talking pretty seriously that morning and you know i was a little kind of frightened because this is back in the closer to the days of nine eleven, you know type whatever so i want to mm-hmm. put some perspective as to where yeah, we yeah. were at and why i'm why i'm telling the story so i get into a cab that morning the taxi driver turns around, stops the car, turns around, and he looks at me and he says, did you hear the good news? And I said, what's the good news? <laughs> and he said, they got Osama bin Laden. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, am I about to be taken <laughs> someplace? <laughs> and and I looked Murdered. at him in the eyes. Yeah. And I go, <laughs> is that good news? <laughs> I mean, I must have said it with a squeak in my <laughs> voice. And he said, yeah, yeah he was, you know, he was a terrorist and I was like, Oh, oh. thank
1: God. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then we went to the event and all was well, but I, I tell that story a lot because I've been in a lot of different, a lot of different places. And it was just one of the ones where I was like, Oh, oh no, is that good news? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I have a bunch of, of travel stories. I woke up in Brisbane, Australia one day after doing like five different, three different dates in Australia in like four days all different time zones and and 2 hour flights and i woke up in the middle of the night and i went looked around at where i was and then i went to the window of the, my hotel and i opened the blinds and i'm looking at the city of brisbane and i i didn't know where i was i had no idea and i started bawling i was a grown man i'm standing there and and i'm it's whatever time it was in the morning and i just couldn't get a context for where i was Finally, I was just kind of looking. I was like, I kind of recognize. And I see the Ferris wheel. And like, I go, I'm in Brisbane. Oh, <laughs> my God. I've, I've and done I was that it, just here, but
1: I <laughs> where I wake up in a hotel room and I'm like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Where am I? Yeah, oh,
1: that's right. Yeah. I think I'm in California. <laughs> yeah. But never in another country. So
0: uh, it, it's yeah. So anyway, so that I have one last funny story that and you're right. You guys can choose which one you use. So I have one more. This is we might just have to
1: use one. them all. We'll, we'll see. All right. Well,
0: this, this is my last one. This is my last one. I was in a place where uh, I was also overseas. I won't say where because I don't even want to hint to this scenario, but I was overseas. I was working with a manager who was who was. Had I came in as a speaker and they were managing. I thought she was really adorable and I was single and I I was hoping that maybe we could be friends. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. So so I was putting on my best face and you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And we were sitting at computers. Mm hmm. And um, so I got a DUI in 2010. It was, you know, it was a, it was a horrifying experience. But I, I basically haven't drank since then. I, I did have one hiccup uh, years back, but I've been sober for a long time now.
1: Good, congratulations. And, um, That's a big oh, deal.
0: Thanks. It's amazing. I. That's why I'm. I, I feel comfortable telling the story. So we, of course, do the thing that younger people do, and we start looking each other up. But we Google each other's names on the internet, <laughs> and all of a sudden it dawns on me that like. One of the first pictures at that time that was popping up of me was my my mugshot. (laughs) I looked as bad as you can look when you get a DUI mugshot, you know, so we didn't end up being that good of friends. And and, (laughs) she judged you for that. Probably helped me to get sober and stay sober and grateful for that journey. But so those are my three. That's it.